Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Membership Voice. I'm Kero O'Shea, the coordinator of the Voice and the host for this evening's webinar. I'd particularly like to welcome the district governors, governors elect, governors nominee, past DGs, Rotarians, Rotaractors, and friends who are with us tonight. Thank you all for joining in. Firstly, and most importantly, I acknowledge the Noongar Wadjuk people who are traditional custodians of the land on which I'm hosting tonight's webinar. I acknowledge the strength of their continuing culture and offer my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Our presentation tonight, of course, is about chartering and growing a new club, the impressive story of the rise and rise of Rotary Greenhills Maitland, which of course is going to be presented by our Zone 8 membership coordinator, past district governor Adrian Roach and Kiani Telfer, who's the president nominee of Rotary Greenhills Maitland. An impressive team there. Adrian, of course, is our current Rotary Membership Coordinator for Zone 8 and as a, as a veteran club builder and founder, he's walking the walk. Support, so uh, he supports and strengthens Rotary clubs in, in Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific Islands. He's also the, the Vice Chairman of the Rotary of Rourke's uh, Eastern Region uh, for serving the previous three years as, as Chair. Actively involved with several projects in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, including the Paul Tun Memorial Dental Project. Adrian is a JP, kidney donor, and active in the rural fire service, and not surprisingly, is also a multiple Paul Harris Fellow. And accompanying Adrian tonight, we have another impressive Rotarian. At just 20, Kiani Telfer has an impeccable C Rotary CV. Time permits me just a snapshot. Gianni has been a, a Rotarian since 2018, I think, is currently the Director of Membership for Green Hills Maitland, as well as serving on the District 9670 membership team, doing young member liaison. Gianni was drawn to her club as her passions are based around youth leadership, growth and international aid, and in particular in P&G, and that mirrors the club's interests and projects. So at this stage, I'm really delighted to hand over to and, and introduce Adrian Roach, who will lead off with tonight's presentation. Over to you, please, Adrian. Thank you, Kero, for that wonderful invitation. It's lovely to be here with you all tonight. And it's good to have Kiani along with us to uh, give you her view about uh, our talk tonight, which is about why we started the Rotary Club of Green Hills Maitland and how we've um, gone uh, since 2012 the ups and downs and, and the plans we've got for the future. Why would you want to start a new Rotary Club when we had a great Rotary Club with the Rotary Club of East Maitland? That was my original club. Um, the, the club had been established for 50 plus years and they were doing lots for the community. Uh, they were involved in youth exchange, in Rotary Australia World Community Service, in Rotary Youth Program of Enrichment and many other Rotary projects in the community. The club was losing all their younger members, including three past presidents. Why? Because the club had not changed significantly in years. They still sang, sang songs like pack up your troubles in your old kit bag. They said grace, they did fine sessions, and they had long-winded two-and-a-half-hour meetings. Now, when they did this singing, I went home and spoke to my dad about it, and I said, Dad, what's the go with this? Why is we got a community service club and they're doing this singing? He said, well, son, you go out to nightclubs and have fun like that. When in our day, that's how we had fun. We went to, we bought tickets at a community hall and we used to go and sing. So that's why they do that. So um, let's see if I can make this go. 
So why did we start a new club of Rotary Green Hills Maitland? We started to open up Rotary for the next generation of leaders. The local six other clubs were all pitching to the older demographics. So when I was in East Maitland, I was 32 when I was um, uh, first joined there. And they said to me, Adrian, can you bring some more younger members along to our club? So I probably invited about 30 people, which were friends, colleagues, work associates, etc. And out of those 30 people, I could only get like 10 out of them, 10 of them to join. And they'd all say the same thing. They'd say, Adrian, we think it's a great club. We're really, really impressed with the with the members of the club. You've got the town, the local magistrate. You've got the leading, the, the Toyota dealer um, uh, principal there. You've got all these important people and they've all, they've all got lots of great things to say. Um, but they didn't like the singing. They said, if we want to sing, we'll join a choir. They didn't understand the fine session. They said, why would you charge someone 20 cents for doing a misdemeanor? It's, it's just not funny. Um, and they couldn't understand why we said a rotary, sang the rotary anthem and said rotary grace um, because they thought, where they'd read, they thought that rotary was non religious. So um, anyway, we couldn't get them to stay. So um, I decided that um, we needed to probably start a new style rotary club. Now, I liken rotary clubs to. Um, Radio stations. Okay, so this is audience participation. You may not find your radio station there, but um, they all have music, they all have news, they all have sport, they all have humour, advertisements, well, the non-government ones do, um, and we all like listening to all that uh, and the gossip. But they're all, we have several stations providing all this, but they're all doing it differently uh, and getting sim getting similar results. Um, so as you can see, these radio stations have the same goals of entertainment and information, but they all do it differently depending on their target audience. Rotary clubs are like radio stations. We have the same goals of improving our communities both locally and internationally, but like radio stations, we do it differently. Now, a little uh, audience participation. What is the, what is the de demographics in your club? It's interesting there to see the demographics on this radio station, who, who they're trying to attract. Um, who does your club appeal to? Is it the 18 to 39 market, the 40 to 65 market, or the 65 plus market? I'm not saying that if you're over 50, which I am, then you can't be a good Rotarian. I'm saying that if you need to find younger members to help us continue the great work that we do as Rotarians have been doing, uh, we need to market ourselves to attract those people. So if you want younger uh, younger members, how can your club make your club attractive to younger demographics? Like the radio stations, give them what they're looking for. Fun, friendship, mentors, help them make a difference in the world. I believe um, clubs need to look at who they're all set up to attract. If this is, for example, a demographic of 50 to 80 year olds, and that is what the club is made up of, then you have three choices. You can change some of the traditions in your club so they'd appeal more to a much younger demographic. Take away the singing, the rotary anthem and grace, the sergeant of arms session, the heads and tails and the other things that are loved by the current Rotarians or leave things as they are and start a brand new style rotary club. And it could be a satellite club. 
um, aiming at the 20 to 40 demographic with new modern traditions. Or three, make changes gradually to aim to a younger demographic. Um, I've seen many clubs who have tried option one to change to attract new young members, but in doing so, the older established members become upset and leave as the club loses its drive. Why not sponsor a new age Rotary Club with people who are not in the age demographic that the mother club has? Who wins? Rotary wins. Now we've got this young lady on. Katie Brolo, current president, you'll see her there on the screen. Um, scrap the fine session. Most young people don't find it funny, ripping other Rotarians off and making them pay 20 cents. We have the jolly joker. President Katie has just won $650. Why wouldn't she be happy? Katie, was it 650 or am I making that up? It was 880. Okay, I lied, 880. So um, she was pretty happy about that. Uh, and that's not the first time you've won it either, is it? No, that's my second time winning. Good on you. Okay, now other members we've got here is Kev Yarrington. Kev's on. We can't see his picture, but he's on there. Um, we've got members who are involved in district committees. Zoe and Kevin both are on the district writing committee. Uh, as is Keanu, um, and, and they've joined our club because they've really got an interest in working with the young people. Here's our uh, club president, current club president, and our past assistant treasurer, who happens to be my daughter. So um, it's good we've got some um, two generations in the club as well. And there's, a, there's a couple of instances of that. But here we are cleaning up trolleys out of the, of the, out of the park, one of the things we do. Um, how we raise our funds is a bit different. We don't normally cook sausages. Um, when we started our club, we had a lot of people who we got feedback. They said, oh, Rotarians, they, they build parks and cook sausages. Well, we decided we didn't want to do that um, because we wanted to, um, to do it a bit differently. So we raise our flower, we raise funds by selling Mother's Day flowers. And you'll see here some of the people in the team. Uh, that top left picture is a mother and son. That's another. Um, two generations we've got in our club. We've also got trivia nights, movie nights, and we write lots of grant applications. Um, you'd be interested to know, two weekends ago, we made $25,000 from selling flowers on the weekend, which is good because that helps pay for all our, our youth projects. We've also got um, international projects. That's a big part of what we do. You'll see uh, you young Kev down here um, and Patrick. I know we're both on, but we can't see. Oh, there's Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Um, packing a container to go up to uh, Nundagul up in the highlands of um, Papua New Guinea. Um, and there's some more of our members there too. Um, one of the things we've got up there is a dental clinic. So you've got to have a, a, a you know, project so people can get involved. So we've got a dental project up there. We had a couple of dentists who are members of our club and they've helped put this dental clinic together. We've got a $200,000 Rotary Foundation grant. Um, we got the local government up there to provide the building and then we fitted it out uh, with the equipment and the guy in the yellow shirt is actually the dentist so our dentists have been working with him to give him some extra training they do the basic training but they're not to the same extent as what happens in australia now you'll see the picture on the left this is really interesting this is our first group of what we call real schoolies so they were young people who had just finished year 12 and instead of going up to the Gold Coast and getting on the drink and doing all those naughty things they're not supposed to do, they decided to do something positive, and that is to go up and make a difference up in, in the highlands of, um, of Papua New Guinea. 
So uh, some of those people in the in the picture were originally club members, and other ones were real schoolies who later joined. I might get Kiani now to tell us a little bit in a couple of minutes what happened when the real schoolies went up to um, to Nundagul uh, and up to Juwaka. Um, yes, so we were in um, Papua New for two weeks. Um, it was a very exciting and nerve-wracking experience for everybody. Um, some of us, like myself, hadn't been overseas or even on a plane before, so it was a lot of firsts for everyone. Um, so, yeah, lots of us were in the same boat. I think there were three that hadn't been overseas uh, and going to Papua New Guinea for the first time um, was very, yeah, scary um we had a great time we lo- uh, met a lot of yeah locals around um we started off just staying in like a little mission home um run by a little church and we stayed just for one night um and yet we spent most of our time standing on the street waving to the cars driving past lots of people hadn't seen um us australians before uh, the kids were quite frightened sometimes a few of them were crying um and then once we finally got up to Nondigal, we spent most of our time at the dental clinic, just finishing it off. Most of it was built already. So we just spent our time cleaning, painting, uh, and yeah, meeting the, the locals, working in the local hospital. Uh, one day we went and we were taking scones, which were actually bread rolls, and handing out, I think we ended up about 300 bread rolls in one afternoon. Um, they're not actually fed in hospital, um, which was really eye-opening. Uh, we spent a lot of time at the maternity ward. Uh, that was filthy. I couldn't believe people have children in a hospital like that. It's it's crazy um, how it's so different and lots of time at the preschool and the schools. So yeah, it was a good time. Lots of us were very sad to leave um, and hopefully when COVID hopefully passes, um, yeah, we can't wait to go back. Lots of us stay in contact now with some of the older people that have phone and internet connection. So, yeah, we look forward to talking to them quite often. Um, what else, Adrian? Well, I guess we can lead on to how, after you went up there, you decided you wanted to become part of Rotary. And yeah. um, uh, there was yourself and um, Jono oh, and... Um, Georgia oh, and Georgina. Georgia and Georgina joined the club. And yeah. um, they're all still members. Georgina is sort of having a baby at the moment, so her focus is elsewhere. But um, it's good that they've all not only joined the club, but a couple of them have taken on senior roles, as is as Kiani in membership chair, and Georgia is the projects um, uh, director. So, um, and talking about projects, one of the other things that's important is um, the local projects. Um, local projects, um, very little cost. And they're lots of great fun. Here you'll see us working on um, planting some trees. And uh, the lady in blue at the front and the guy with the sunglasses on the right-hand side, they're not yet members. They're lining up to join. So uh, they're going to be inducted in the, in the next few weeks. And um, just for the record, I didn't really bend that handle of this shovel. That's how it was. Um, and then last weekend, we did some um, some gardening. We went to some local uh, um, elderly 
people in the in the area who needed a bit of a hand in the garden. So we were on the mowers and the whippersnippers and the clippers, and that was quite satisfying that we could help. So not everything has to be fundraising. It can be you know, helping other people who are less fortunate than, than ourselves. Um, now, to talk about these two people, you'll see Patrick here uh, and Keani. So Patrick is coming in as our president um, next uh, year or this coming year. And uh, we got Patrick by sheer chance. We had another Rotarian who was a member of our club, but he was a member by name only. He was an accountant in the local area and he basically wanted to be a member so he could have the, the Rotary logo on his Facebook and on his website, but he didn't want to do anything. So um, when I asked him to help me with my district budget, he ended up sending Patrick. And we soon found out that Patrick was a far better Rotarian than he'd ever be. And we asked Patrick to join. Now, since Patrick's been with us, is that since 2015-16, yes? Um, Patrick's actually been the district treasurer. So um, I'm not allowed to say that he works for the ATO as a senior um, forensic analysis, so I'm not allowed to say that, so I won't. Um, but anyway, Patrick's going to come in as our, as our president next year. Now, the good thing about this is Patrick's working together with Kiani and with Katie so they're all, they're, we've, we've got a succession plan and um, it's very, very, very energising seeing what, they've, um, what they're doing. Um, okay, so the next one is why is Green Hills Club different? Well, the meetings are quick and fun. We've got different meetings. So we meet in the morning, three mornings a month. And then on the fourth um, Thursday of the month, we have a night social meeting where we don't really do too much. We just have a social time. Uh, we do have interesting and topical speakers. Um, we use Facebook a lot. Um, we've got a weekly newsletter, which is a report of our meeting, which goes out to everybody. We've got discrete name badges that aren't the size of dinner plates that, that some of the other clubs have got. The president doesn't normally wear the president's collar, but they do wear it for special occasions so they can hand over the chains of office. Uh, we've got a breakfast that's enjoyable, reasonably priced. It's worth getting out of bed for. And you don't have to have it. If you don't want to have breakfast, you just come along to the meeting and um, just enjoy it. We don't sing. We do laugh and we do enjoy each other's company. One of the other things we do is we have got a picture of Survey Monkey there. We do survey our members to find out exactly what they want and to try to make sure that our club fits what they're looking for. Uh, you'll see us in the spa there at the um, district conference. Um yeah, just some of the shenanigans we get up to. So um, we're continually looking for new members to join. People join for a reason, they leave for a reason. Often there, often there's a change in their circumstances. So you've got to continually be looking for new members to keep replacing those that do move on. Um, and also to make uh, have some more, more numbers. So we do do new members information breakfast We've, our current membership is 32. It was as high as 48 at one stage. There's 50% of female, 50% are under 36 years old. We started with 15 and we peaked at 55. And um, members do what they can do when they can do it. So as when people join our club, we don't say, you have to attend Rotary every week. You have to come to every project. You have to do this. We just sort of say, do what you can when you can do it. And um, that seems to work well for us. So why did we start the Rotary Club of Green Hills Mainland. Uh, we started the Rotary Club um, to increase the membership of Rotary in our district, to lower the average age, 
to open up Rotary for the next generation, um, those 65 and under, can I suggest that if you don't have a club that's inviting to the 20 to 40-year-old age group that you look to sponsor a new club in your area? And as I said, they could be a satellite club, which they're still going to be members of your club. Get the members in your club that want to see a change and encourage them to channel their energies into starting a brand-new style Rotary Club with a target market of the under-40 demographic. They'll be happy and they'll also stop them, looking, uh, stop them rocking the boat uh, of the club to the older people so they can get on with it. Now, um, Keanu, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history, about where, where you, the illness that you had that you got, you overcame, and then the reason why you want to be in Rotary and what you want to, why you want to do it? Oh, yeah. So um, the main, so we'll go back a few years. When I was 15, or we'll start like I was 12, um, I started having episodes um, that no one was really able to put their finger on. So no one was like there was discussion that like I might have had diabetes or that I might have had like really bad mental health that was causing like myself to have like little blackouts over time. Um, but it actually turned out that I was having seizures. So I was um, suffering from uncontrollable epilepsy for about four years. Um, and after a long period of time, about three and a half years um, of just different types of medications, I think I went through about maybe 20 different types of medications um, that weren't doing anything for me. They were minimising the seizures, but there was no control. Um, I finally went down and saw some specialists down in Sydney and was having some scans. It turned out that I had um, two birthmarks on my brain. Um, you normally find these birthmarks on children they're little cherry birthmarks well I have them in my brain so these birthmarks were bleeding and every time I had a seizure it would be because my brain tissue was trying to absorb the blood um so yeah I was having these seizures so the only way to overcome um the seizures was actually removing um the birthmarks itself out of my brain so the uh, I think the factor of like survival was about um, 20%. So they weren't satisfied that it was going to do the work for me. Um, so I could have chosen not to have the operation um, and live the rest of my life off medication uh, and not enjoy my life to the fullest. Um, so I decided I would go with the operation. My parents were horrified um, that I would make the decision, only thinking maybe my chance of survival was 20%. Um, but it was a horrible way to live my life at such a young age. I was not enjoying it. Um, when I had seizures, I wouldn't remember anything. So lots of like the four-year period was like a big blackout for me. So I don't remember most of that that time scale at all. So I had the operation when I was 15 and then a lot of recovering. So they said I'd be in hospital for about uh, six weeks. I was out of hospital in five days. So that was really eye-opening and the doctors and nurses were very surprised. So I haven't had a seizure now for five years, uh, which is amazing. So, yeah, I'm enjoying life. And once I was fully recovered, I decided that's why I wanted to go to real schoolies. I wasn't interested in partying. Um, so, yeah, I thought I would take this, this chance and, yeah, go overseas, which was really exciting. And now I have a lot of um, great connections, a lot of my Mostly now my best friends are through Rotary, uh, all different ages. 
same as mine, a few years older, and then people, yeah, much older that have experienced um, life to more detail than myself. So, yeah, it was really exciting, and I thought this is what I want to do. I want to give back. I was trying to, before Rotary, work out how I could give back to people. Um, I'm not good with blood. I'm not good with vomit, so I thought nursing or something like that is not good for me, Um, but I thought Rotary was definitely the way to go. So saying, yeah, that we could help in such a big way, like overseas in PNG and then just locally, I knew that, yeah, this is what we could do. Um, and going back, connecting to the values um, and, yeah, connections our club have with our youth, which is a big part of myself as well, giving back to those kids struggling um, at that period. So ripe and, yeah, caters for kids 14 to 17. So, yeah, that was the stage that I missed. So I don't want any, anyone else to kind of miss those opportunities at that time so yeah now I'm a full member um yeah and enjoying yeah everything that the club has to offer thank you yeah yeah and you're um you're a breath of fresh air in the club and it's good to have these um um, younger people who are all participating and working well on our board and um I think the last slide is one everyone wants to see is questions has anyone got any questions for myself or Kiani that we could answer. No questions. We do have some. We do have some questions here for you, uh, uh, Adrian and Kiani. Just bear with me a moment. All right. Bear with me a moment, Kiani. That's the first question for you. I think the average new Rotarian. Um, our statistics on average new Rotarian suggest that uh, a lot of them don't stay long. Uh, in Rotary, typically two years or less. How does that compare, say, with recent stats at Green Hills Maitland? Oh, yeah, I think um, like myself, for example, um, and Georgia, who joined um, after, yeah, Papua New Guinea and Jono, the three of us have all stayed in contact and we're we're sitting about 18 months, two years since we've joined. I think because our club's um, have so many opportunities to give um, and making sure that you make the right connection with the right clubs that have interest in yourself. So I think that really helps uh, in extending on that period, pushing it longer than the two-year two mark of hanging around with Rotary. Um, so, yeah, that definitely, that would definitely help um, being connected to the right club. And if you're not, yeah, finding something you're interested in, maybe advising people just to have a look around because you're not just stuck with the one club. If you, you lose your interest or your interest change, you can always move on to the next club and still stay connected, which is, yeah, good to have, especially that lots of clubs are growing. Fantastic. Thank you, Kiani. Adrian, did you want to add anything from, I say, having been with Green Hills Maitland since the start as one of the founders, what's been your experience with that, with that holding time? Over the life of the I think the important thing is to make people feel connected and to give them give them something to do. So they've got a job, you know, they've got a responsibility within the club. If they've got a responsibility, that that gets the connection. So it's important that, especially these younger members, that they come in and uh, they get onto the board pretty quick. And there could be a a a role like an assistant secretary, an assistant treasurer, or um, something like that. But they. Um, they get onto the board and they get to see how the club operates and and I think our succession planning is good too. So we actually nominate our our presidents a couple of years out. And uh, Kiani's also very excited to be the 
the president when Jennifer Jones, the first um, uh, female international president, um, and she, she's going to be in, serving in that same year, and she'll do a wonderful job. Yes, that, that's going. That's going to be fantastic. Going to be fantastic, Adrian. You mentioned that the uh, the club is going well, and obviously it is with, with the demographics and the like. If you've had fluctuations between, you know, say, up to fifty five members, has the club faced any significant challenges on the way through? And if so, how did you address them? Um, yeah, well, I don't want to give everyone the impression that we're a perfect club because we're not. Um, we're a club that's um, survived and fought on, and we're growing. Uh, we had a couple of issues. One of our presidents was a little bit Gestapo style and um, um, he he left the club, but he also caused probably half a dozen or more to leave as well. Um, that's probably been significant. Having the COVID was a little difficult because we all like to meet face-to-face and, of course, when we went to Zoom, um, not everyone really got into the Zoom because they, they wanted that connection. So um, that's probably the two mo- most significant uh, things that have affected um, what, what, what we've done. Mm, good question there from Marilyn. Um, the local pop- what, what, were the local, what was the local population when you had 55 members? How, how, is, how is population sort of the local population oh, fluctuating? The, the population of Maitland was about 55,000, 60,000, and we already had five or six clubs. But out of the five or six clubs we had, uh, we had the East Maitland Club, which had been going about 50 years, very traditional, doing a lot of good things and highly respected in the community. And then the mother club was Maitland Club. Well, you have to be a man to be in that club. They don't allow, they don't encourage women, which is very, very sad. Um, I think they got a bit of a surprise when a couple of um, gay guys joined the club. But anyway, um, that, that's a start. They've got some... Um, female honorary members there. So they're partners of members who have passed away. Okay, then we've got another um, uh, morning club who are an older demographic and it's mainly made up of ladies and a lot of them are teachers. So it's um, kind of a bit different. Um, There wasn't really a club that was catering for the younger demographics. They would would have found it very hard to to assimilate into them. Uh, Yes. A question there from District Governor Adele. How do younger members cope with membership fees? And I might just add a bit to it. Does the, does the club do anything to subsidise those fees for younger members? Well, we do if, they, if there's a real need. Look, a lot of these members, um, you know, the, the, the fees aren't, aren't an issue. I mean, if you look at it, it's a cup of coffee a week to be a member, which covers all your insurance. So, for example, when County goes up to Papua New Guinea, she doesn't have to fork out three or four hundred dollars for insurance. It's covered with the, the Rotary insurance. Um, a lot of the expenses of Rotary is in the, the 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 dinners, the lunches, the breakfasts, or whatever. So, because we've got the flexibility, the members can just turn up and bring a coffee, or have a coffee, or have no breakfast at all. So, um, that seems to be how we can keep fees down. But we did have a young member which joined. And um, he was very motivated when he was 18. Uh, he, we, we actually got him to come along to our club after we found out that he was feeding all the homeless, or the, the not, not, probably not homeless, but young people who were leaving home without having breakfast. So we invited him to join our club and we actually paid his fees for a couple of years. Um, or, or we had sponsors to pay his fees. Now he's kind of uh, drifting at the moment. He's, um, 
he's wanting to start a new club which is focused on um i suppose um people who what do we call it patrick can you help me here patrick what how would you describe the club that he's trying to start being politically correct patrick Are you hearing me, Pat? Oh, here he is. Oh, we can't hear you. Okay, we can't hear him. Um, he's trying to start a club which is very gay friendly and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we've got people who are, who are gay and bisexual and whatever in our club and we encourage all people who have got the right heart to, to join Rotary, but they want to start a club that's full, like kind of focused on that. And um, that's what he's doing at the moment. So we haven't seen a lot of him in our club, but uh, to answer your question, yes, we, we can supplement some of their fees, but we do try to make it as easy as we can for them to be members. Yeah, Th thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, one from past district governor Pushpart. Congratulations on, on chartering a new generation, generation club. The question is, have you uh, have have you run exit polls and exit interviews to find out why people are leaving? Yes, we have, and the majority of times that we've done them, they've said, "Look, I really enjoy the club, but just right now in my life, it's not possible. I've got young family, I've got a new job, I'm moving." Um, it's it, that's that's basically why. I mean, recently a couple of people I've spoken to have said, "Well, because the club hasn't been meeting fully face to face, I kind of don't feel like I'm getting the benefit." Um, so, yeah, we do do exit polls. We don't do them on everyone, but, yeah, we do do them. Fantastic. Thanks, Adrian. Oh, are you going to ask me that question? Yeah, I was just going to follow up that with uh, this one from uh, meet about from Wayne about uh, variations of club meeting style. I understand that you have an evening meeting, but mainly mainly morning ones, mainly yeah, breakfast. So we, have, we have three breakfast meetings a month and one evening meeting. Um, because people people have joined our club because they like the style of it and wanted to become part of it, but their job won't allow them to get there. Um, because they, they've got businesses where their team starts at 6 o'clock in the morning, they need to be on deck. So while they can't be at every breakfast meeting, they still do things. Like they're there for the Mother's Day selling flowers. They come over to Papua New Guinea and will spend 10 days over there. So as far as I'm concerned, they're great Rotarians. They just, they're not knife and forkers. Super. Thank, thank you, Adrian. One for Kiani. One for Kiani um, from, from, uh, from Pacific District Governor Maryland. Kiani, does your club sponsor any Interact Rotor Kids or Rotaract clubs? And what do you see as the long-term sustainability in that regard? Because oftentimes we tend to create these things, but there's no alumni or sort of follow-up from them. What, what, what's Green Hills Maitland doing there? Thanks, Kiani. Yeah, so um, we do like to sponsor um, individuals going to ripen. Um, so the uh, youth program of enrichment. Um, so yeah, we like to sponsor them to come along. Um, so that I was speaking about before, fourteen to seventeen. Um, and we yeah sponsor them to go for the weekend, um, and they learn a lot um, about life and different values and. Um, how to support yourself. Uh, some children that go don't have the support, so giving them the tools to survive, uh, particularly getting through the HSE and schooling, or if school's not their thing, um, how to seek employment, how to write out a resume, um, lots of simple things that 
they don't all have access to, um, which you would think lots of people do and the things we take granted for. Um, so for the long-term sustainability, I would like to invite them along. Um, our club, ourselves, uh, we have, I think, maybe five or six members that are heavily involved in Rappin and our club volunteer for the dinner. So they prepare dinner over Friday night and, um, yeah, cater for them. So they see our familiar faces um, and then they're not afraid to come along to the meetings and we get them to come back and do a presentation on what they've learnt. Um, and then, yeah, we, our activities are quite um, attractive to all ages. So young people like going to movies or trivia nights or activities out and about, um, yeah, really attract them to come back and, yeah, keep moving forward. Uh, and then, yeah, when they're at the age of 18 thinking about joining to become a Rotarian. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a really good idea that we have yeah, that that target audience really and heavily involved in the youth projects that are around. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks Kiani. Um, I'm not sure who to put this question to, so I'm going to put it to you, to, to you, Kiani, as membership director. What are the things that Rotary clubs tend, to, tend not to do well or tend not to organise terribly well is keeping in touch with their biggest group of alumni, which is usually past Rotarians. What does Green Hills Maitland, what, if anything, does Green Hills Maitland do in that regard, like connecting with these people who Adrian described as living on good terms, for example? Yeah, uh, so we just like to try and keep connected um, on all um, on all audiences. And um, so we like to do, we've just done a survey recently on how people like to be connected. So um, our Facebook, we're trying to keep nice and updated and lots of things popping up. We like to create events of everything that's happening for the public. And then we have one for our, um, our members ourselves. Uh, and then we, yeah, like to send out lots of emails, text messages, uh, and then some people don't like any of those, so they might prefer a phone call. So we kind of have written down who likes what, and obviously we can't always make that one phone call to everybody, but, yeah, at least we know these people like to be approached in this way, and this is how we try to, yeah, keep them keep them all together, or some people like a letter in the mail. So it just depends. So, so you shape the communication according to the to the person's preferences. Yeah, definitely. That works. Wonderful. Okay. We we hear back much better that way. So yeah, it's good. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Looking at another area of opportunity, and I might I might put this one over to Adrian because we're sort of leaving him out of the action a bit at this stage. Um, we've talked about RIPEN, and I want to come back to County about that one in a minute because it's a related question here. Rylar provides us with an opportunity, Adrian, to have traineeships in clubs, to bring people in, to send someone to Rylar and bring them in to give back to the community by way of something that they can put on their CV. Yeah. Um, how does, how does uh, Green Hills Maitland utilise Rylar? Okay. Well, we had uh, a few members who were on the Rylar committee and uh, we, had some, we had a member who was a... Um, uh, a gifted speaker, and uh, he would always he would speak at the Rila, um, um weekends. Um, my wife Christine, who's also a member of Green Hills, is on the Ryla committee. Now Ryla are currently in um, what do they call it? They're having a rest because of COVID, um, and and they haven't yet got to organising anything via Zoom or anything like that. So at the moment, there's not a lot happening with Ryla. But in the past, our club's done quite a lot. Um, in fact, one of our past presidents was the chair of Ryla. 
So um, we've had we've had a good connection there, and hopefully that will happen again. Fantastic. Thanks, Adrian. From sounds of things, Green Hills Maitland is is significantly, very well, and perhaps even significantly overrepresented doing good things at district level. Yeah, we have um, members in our club who are on um, Youth Exchange Committee. Um, of course, they're having a rest at the moment too, but we're, we're heavily focused on, on, on youth programs, I guess, because the, we've got younger people in our club. Fantastic. We hosted, Thank you. we hosted an exchange student every year. In fact, a couple of years we hosted um, more than one. So um, that, that's been good for the club as well. Question, Adrian. We, we've been putting great stock on the very the very successful work done by Rotary Adelaide with their with their new model, which is based around essentially around uh, membership leadership best practice. Um, how does what the success story that you've outlined at Green Hills Maitland? How does that how does that line up with the with the basics of the Adelaide model? Well, look, it's it's very similar, Carol, and I would encourage anyone who hasn't yet seen the, the, the talk we had, was it last month, uh, about the Adelaide Club, um, about their succession planning and their how they've actually put it together. And, and I think we're kind of following that, where we've got um, our current president, Katie, um, um, Pat, who's coming in, and then Kiani after her, after him. Um, they're all working together to try to work out, you know, a succession plan and to... Um, make sure we're all heading in the right direction. Fantastic. Thank you. Kiani, one of the key things about the Adelaide model is the that the P train, the, the succession of presidents, president, elect president nominee and the current president, um, are really required to work together on what they broadly describe as the strategic development of the club. How is that process, how's that process working at Green Hills Maitland? Yeah, so it's um, working really well. So Katie, um, our current president, um, yeah, we've been just changing it up a little bit. We're just working out what our members are enjoying and if there's things that we can be changing, like the location of our morning breakfast or the evenings or if, you know, we're thinking about changing the days to try and make out some, get some more numbers to come along to the meetings. Um, so, yeah, Pat has been looking into that and working out, yeah, what, how it's going to look next year. Um, obviously, uh, with different yeah work schedules and things like that, we're trying to look at what would work for yeah the majority of our club. Um, we're also planning our calendar um, for the rest of Katie's years, Pat and myself. So we've got a lot of long-term goals that will be continuing the same yeah tradition. So we've been linking with um, a local organisation, Friends of Palliative Care. Um, so we've been linking with them, helping them with their fundraisers so we can, yeah, pop that in our calendar um, and then they've been working with us. So, yeah, just making those partnerships with yeah, different groups around and what's working well and just, yeah, planning ahead. So uh, say if people are not available for this month's social event, they know what's coming up next month. We might be going for a bushwalk or we might be just joining for breakfast on a Sunday morning so um, people know they're not missing out and they know what's coming up. So we're just trying to ensure that our communication is good. We're listening to our members, but also, yeah, we're just keeping everything open and transparent so they know there's no, no – sometimes people feel like there's secret, secretive 
calmness between like the board and the club. So it's trying to, yeah, be really honest and open and they know what's coming up, what to expect. And yeah, that we really are listening and we all are one group at the end of the day. So yeah, I think that's working well, especially for the long term. Thanks, Kiani. So you're promoting a very open communications model. Yeah, definitely. Super. Hey, an observation that could turn itself into a question here from District Governor Adele. Clubs often complain they can't get young people to sponsor to go to Ripen or Ryla. But I'm thinking by having younger people in your clubs as a bridge to other younger people. So in other words, having younger members means you have more connections with young candidates. Would you care to comment on that, Kian? Yeah, of course. So um, with the Papua New Guinea trip, uh, Adrian and uh, another Rotarian went around the schools um, and spoke about them. So it was just our year that got to listen through um, through for the original chat. But by travelling with eight students, uh, all in the same age group, different locations all across Newcastle and the Hunter, it really spread yeah, the advertisement of what's happening and um, Rappin and Ryla really just spreading out what our club can do and what we have to offer um, and then just spreading it between our family and friends. So, yeah, we do have a good name for our uh, for our trips and lots of people are very excited to go. Um, we did have a second trip planned for Papua New Guinea and that was obviously cancelled right at the start of covid um, so yeah, it was it was really good. We had a lot of interest on the trip, so it helps so we can yeah choose who wants to come and yeah, who who we think we could handle it because it is quite emotionally challenging going into that environment. But yeah, I think it really does yeah help having young people and getting more people to join and be interested in Rotary. Like even young people as like say thirteen and twelve don't really know wouldn't know much about it unless say traditionally like their grandparents would be involved but when they've got friends and sisters and siblings yeah they really do want to join especially like simple day selling flowers it's not hard work at all but yeah make a lot of connections doing that fantastic thank you Kiani Adrian I think we're coming to the looks of things we're running out of questions but I think there is an important question that really any club needs to consider what do you, as an individual member, see as the, and the founder of the club, see as an optimum size for Green Hills Maitland at this point in time? That's a very good question, Tara. Look, I, I think it doesn't matter if it's 10 or 90 or it's, it's as long as you've got people in the club for the right purpose and they're in there because they want to work together to, to get a, a result, to make the community a better place. They don't want to rock the boat. We don't want... I'd rather have, you know, 20 good, solid, strong, happy, working together people than 20 good ones and 10 bad ones that are just going to upset you. So, um, yeah, optimum number, I don't know. You know but maybe 50. 50 was good when we had it because it seemed to be easier to get venues to be more open to you. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. It's a hard question, that one. Yeah, I don't know what the magic number is. Um, you know, we're doing good at 35, but I'm, I'm quite happy to have another 50 in the club. Fantastic. Thank you, Adrian. Well, we, do, we have reached the end of our question. So at this stage, I think we'll call things to a close. But before we do that, um, regular, regular members of our Membership Voice audience will know what we're going to do at this stage because we've had a 
fabulous uh, co-presentation by uh, by past district governor Adrian and President nominee Kiani. Absolutely fantastic, both of you. Thank you. But what I, what I would invite everyone to do, please, is to switch your microphones back on, unmute as they say, because we're going to offer a little round of applause to our, for our uh, for our panel tonight. So if you would please, that's great. Thank you. Okay. Well, great work, team. Thank you. And thank you again, Adrian and Kiani. Good night, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Good night.